you're listening to the Cross Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. On Sunday, July 19th, we gathered virtually for worship. Pastor Mark Havel preached from the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 24 to 30, 36 to 43. Jesus put before them another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven might be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? The master answered them, an enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him. And they said, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen the gospel of the Lord. So the beauty of the parables of Jesus that we have been hearing the last couple of weeks is that they continue to speak a surprisingly relevant, surprisingly timely word to us still in this day and age, just like they did for those who heard them the first time around. And if you believe, like I do, that a parable is allowed to, or that a parable is even supposed to, generate some new kind of meaning to new situations, it seems entirely possible that Jesus' parable of the weeds of the field has something to say to us regarding a thing Jesus may never have been able to guess about our life in the 21st century. I mean this newfangled thing called cancel culture. Maybe you've heard of it. This 21st century social media-fueled phenomenon where someone does something or says something that's offensive, if not reprehensible enough to enough people with enough power and influence that that person gets canceled in whatever way seems fit or feared or appropriate according to the masses. In the words of Jesus' parable, you might say the weeds get canceled. They get pulled out by their roots and burned up with fire wherever they might be. And I have to admit, I'm sort of inclined to cancel culture sometimes. And so I'm not sure how to think about myself because of that, thanks to this parable 
from Jesus. For example, I didn't feel all that bad when I found out that that white woman in Central Park lost her job when video went viral of her choking her dog while threatening to call the cops on a black man and using his race against him in the meantime, all because he'd asked her to stop breaking the rules. I also felt no small measure of righteous indignation when I saw another white couple had suffered similar consequences. They lost their jobs after being relentlessly shamed on social media because they called the cops on a different black man for writing with chalk on the wall of his very own house. They thought it was unlikely or impossible that a person of color could or should live in their neighborhood. The owner of Goya Foods, I'm sure you heard, was threatened with being canceled just last week when he said some nice things about the president. Anyone accused or guilty of sexual assault or misconduct in the day and age of our Me Too movement is pretty much doomed, you know. Just ask Matt Lauer or Al Franken or Louis C.K. And the list goes on. You can Google cancel culture victims and get a whole list of people who've been effectively canceled in any number of ways lately. So I wonder, in the words of Jesus' parable in today's gospel, are the words and the actions of these people, are these people themselves weeds or seeds? And are they worthy of being pulled out or plucked up or called out or canceled in ways like these? To lose their job, to lose their money, to lose their status in their community. Again, my sinful, broken, scorekeeping self is inclined toward the former a lot of the time, the weed pulling, I mean. If someone is so blatantly, obviously, offensively, ignorantly racist or sexist or violent, for example, I find some measure of satisfaction to learn that they have suffered some consequence for their words and their actions. And that's why Jesus' parable in this morning's gospel can be kind of hard to swallow for me. See, his disciples want to know about how they should handle this cosmic sort of weeding project Jesus seems to be describing. We know, and the disciples finally figure out, that the weeds in Jesus' story represent sin and evil in the world. And Jesus wants them, and Jesus wants us, to think about those weeds and that evil and all that they represent differently than we are inclined to a lot of the time. And like is true for me, it seems our first intention, our first temptation is to determine who is or what are to be considered weeds, and who is or what are to be considered good seeds. When we talk about heaven and hell, about the end of time, about the coming of God's kingdom, our first temptation a lot of the time is to want to be on the right side of all of that, to be on the winning team so that we aren't one of the sorry ones who gets left behind. But this just leads to even greater, scarier temptations. Temptations to point fingers and decide who's right or who's wrong. Temptations to make decisions about who's worthy and who's not. Temptations to judge by our own standards who's good or bad, who's saved or damned, who's forgivable or not, who's welcome or not, who's loved or lovable or whatever or not. And we can find examples of all of this all over the place. In Jesus' time, 
It was the Pharisees who did a lot of the finger pointing. They worried about who was eating what or who was working on the Sabbath or who wasn't following the law to the letter and based on their worries, they pretended to determine with very good faithful intentions, mind you, they pretended to determine who should be in and who should be out. And whether it's sexual or political or religious or racially motivated persuasions in this day and age, we don't have to look very hard to find instances in our world where people take it upon themselves to make decisions about who should be in and who should be out. Again, decisions about pulling weeds from the good seed, as Jesus might say it. But I hear Jesus drawing a distinction this morning between what we might relish in our own cancel culture and the kingdom of God in the age that is to come. In other words, I'm hearing that while cancel culture may be a thing on this side of heaven, canceling the kingdom may not be ours to claim on the other side of it all. What I hear in Jesus' parable is that there are too many of us choosing not to grow alongside too many others. And I believe Jesus is challenging us with this parable to remember that the cancel culture we've come to know might not be our work to do, might not be our garden to tend, might not be our kingdom to cultivate all by ourselves. Whether we do it out of fear or out of love, whether we do it out of genuine concern or out of ignorance, with all the biblical scholarship and well-reasoned theology we can muster or not, Jesus tells us that this sort of thing is not our job when it comes to the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us he's the one. The son of man will send his angels, he says, and then it will happen at the end of the age. What that means to me is we're to leave the weed pulling, and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth to another time. Instead, Jesus teaches us with this parable that now's a time for something altogether different and better. Now's a time for planting good seeds of promise, of hope, of reconciliation, good seeds of love. Now's a time for growing together. Now's a time for growing alongside. Now's a time for being the good seed that grows and that bears fruit in spite of and in the face of whatever weeds, whatever evil might threaten or challenge or scare us along the way. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that we live and that live to the point that the weeds of sexual assault and racism or discrimination and injustice are given a pass for the sake of going along just to get along. I'm suggesting, and I'm hopeful, that the good seeds of God's justice and love and grace, the good seeds of God's mercy and forgiveness and transformation can grow boldly and can grow bravely and can grow faithfully alongside all the weeds, in spite of all those weeds, and until all those weeds are transformed themselves to bear fruit worthy of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And that's hard, holy work for sure. There's no denying it. And some of us, people of privilege mostly, have some heavy lifting to do in this regard. If the weed is racism, for example, those who benefit from racist systems have some growing alongside to do, those who take advantage of their status and privilege. If the weed is sexism, for instance, good men in our culture have some growing alongside to do, those who perpetrate injustices against women. If the weed is poverty, 
Those of us with means have some growing alongside to do, those who take advantage of those who are poorer than others. And this growing alongside is hard and holy because it looks like stuff we're not naturally inclined toward a lot of the time. Growing alongside looks like humility and repentance and forgiveness and persistence. And it is God's call to the church, this growing alongside, because it is much more Christ-like than all the world's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it's harder, frankly, than the cancel culture that surrounds us so much of the time. It's harder to grow alongside and to bear fruit among the weeds, trusting that God's way of grace will win the day. But I believe it will. God's grace will win the day for the sake of the world. I believe we can do this work precisely because God's grace already has actually won the day through the life and through the death and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.